Let's pray. Father, I ask for your presence to move in a way, God, where we don't miss how important it is that we know your love and we know how much it's, it really is found that we should love others and experience others in our life. And I pray today, God, that somehow you take what we're about to share and, and we really want it to be meaningful. And I pray it actually inspires us all, every one of us, to participate in, in this kind of relating with you through Sabbath. So be with Pam and be with me as we begin to talk with uh, others about you and about what you want us to do. We ask you now to move, to touch, to reveal yourself to us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, if you weren't here last week, we've been talking about the whole idea of how do we connect with God in deep and intimate ways. And one of the ways to connect with God is through Sabbath, a Sabbath experience that's based on doing it uh, according to the principles of Scripture. And real quickly, let me make sure you understand what those are. Number one, Jesus said that he is Lord of the Sabbath. This is his day. He also said, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That it's a gift from God to you and to me. And, and when we understand that and we realize that it's meant to be a gift, not a burden, not a point of bondage, but an amazing experience we share with God, then we grab hold of everything that God wants us to experience in Sabbath. Uh, it is to be a day of rest, but the word rest in the Hebrew is the word manuha, and it literally means it's to be heaven on earth. It's to be a paradise experience. It's not about what you don't do. In a minute, you're going to see it's about what you do different from all other days because it's a set-apart day, and it's set apart because it's supposed to be a day of celebration and a day of feasting. I, I, what I said last week is so true. Man, I don't know if you're like me, but man, I, I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. Sabbath is to be Thanksgiving on steroids. It's to be an amazing experience of feasting and family and relationships and all those things that happen. And so what happens in Sabbath is we experience God by celebrating, by praying, by sharing with others. And I didn't mention this last hour, and I need to make sure and say this. If you're here today and you're single and you go, well, how does this apply to me? I want to tell you it does. What you should do is you gather uh, any extended family you have. You gather friends. Pam was saying, you know, nieces and nephews, uh, kids in the neighborhood. You know, uh, drive the streets and uh, bring people in for Sabbath. Um, no, really, and, and if you understand it's not about what you don't have, it's what you go, you're blessed with. You're going to understand what a great opportunity this is. Now, we're going to talk about how we did it based on a family more setting. But you can apply it to you. And, and even the handout is meant to be applied with a family with kids. So it's, it's for everybody. It's meant to be with everybody. Um, the other thing on Sabbath is you focus on what you've been blessed with. You don't think about what you don't have. You don't think about, uh, and this is huge, you don't think about conflict. You don't think about pain. You, you just put all that aside. Why? Because in Sabbath, you are supposed to experience a, a time with the eternal God and a taste of heaven on earth. And in heaven, there is no sadness. There is no uh, hurting. There is no pain. There is no wanting. And so what we want to do on Sabbath is actually look at what God's done in our life and how he's blessed us. And when we began to do that, something happened. We're going to share that today. Something we weren't ready for. And uh, we knew God was going to do something special, but we didn't know what. And so what happened is our Sabbath got really, really emotional. Uh, and it was all good. Uh, but we weren't ready for it. We thought when Pam started Sabbath the way that we chose to based on... Well, oh, actually, let me say this real quick. There's no Sabbath ceremony in Scripture. 
I want to say that again. There's no Sabbath ceremony in Scripture. And so some of you who have done a Sabbath before, a more traditional one, well, praise God you did that. But today we're going to tell you what we chose to do and not do out of it because you have that kind of freedom. But, but part of what we did is we wanted Pam to usher in the Sabbath based on the more traditional view. And, and we thought we would laugh, you know, right? I mean, yes, we thought we it'd be funny. But I've said to you, and I want to give Pam a chance to share, it wasn't. And, and, and it turned pretty emotional. What did you think? I thought it was very emotional, especially I really did think we'd laugh because it's not something that you do every day. And so as I began to truly pray, I realized I was really talking to God and asking him to come and be with us. And so it became very serious and very emotional quickly. Yeah, and it got super <laughs> emotional for us. And, and so in that time, all of a sudden it began that way. It got deeper. It got more intimate. It, it got uh, more incredible, I think, don't yes. you? Do you feel like this made us closer? Yes, I do. Yeah. And, and, and I want to tell you, I really know it did. The other thing I want to tell you that happened, too, is that um, we, we used the preparation time to, to also make it a time of prayer. And by that, I mean, on Tuesday, we went out and bought all these things that we chose to incorporate into our Sabbath. And so Pam and I began to pray, like, which candles we would buy based on which person it was. And, and we're going to get into that more in a minute. But, but everything we bought, we literally stood and prayed over. And that started this sense of anticipation for what was coming. Then on Wednesday, uh, we, we cleaned our house, which, by the way, uh, uh, that, that's what you do. You prepare your house for Sabbath. And I'm a neat freak, so I was loving every second of that. And and, uh, and, and then on Thursday, you know, we went out and bought our Sabbath meal and, and got excited about that. My point is, if you catch it, it's all this preparation was like this big countdown, right? Yeah. Isn't that how you felt? Oh, I did. So much so. When 7 o'clock came, I was so ready to go. But I looked on the internet, 7.20 is when the sundown actually was. And so that was the longest 20 minutes I think I've ever had. Yeah. Waiting. Yeah, and it really was. I mean, you think about Christmas, Thanksgiving, this was more, right? Yeah. And it really was. And I watched that. We're like going, oh, come on, come on, come on, sun go down. So, you know, and, and it just became this incredible experience. By the way, if you're doing Sabbath right, it should be that way. The food you have should be so good, you almost want to sneak into the refrigerator on Thursday and eat it. I mean, it, and everything about it ought to be that way. The way the house is set up and waiting for it to occur and waiting to get to do our part. And, and it just became that. And so what happened is we're going to start sharing with you what we did on our Sabbath. And, uh, and hopefully it'll start making more and more sense to you. But now the sun is going down. The house is ready. The food has been cooking for almost an hour. And our house is being filled with this amazing, amazing smell of this food we can't wait to eat. And, and, and we have everything set. And Pam and I were, we were just kind of watching going, okay, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then Pam began the Sabbath for us. That's how it's usually done. The, the matriarch of the home, the most honored woman in the home, which would be in my life, Pam, uh, uh, ushers in the Sabbath by inviting Jesus, the Lord of the Sabbath, into our home, the light of the world. And, and you do that typically with lighting candles, ushering in God's light into your house. Now, I want you to know, we know that God is always with us. We know that. But, you know, just like my mom, who I love more than almost anything, you know, she's welcome anytime into our home, but on her birthday, we want her there to honor her. Well, on this day, I want Jesus there to be honored more than ever. And that's what Pam wanted to do. And so Pam, being the, the person who would do that, was the one who actually lit this particular candle. Now, again, for you more orthodox background people, you would typically maybe even have two candles. We chose this one on purpose because it's a candle with three wicks, which symbolize to us the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the one God being invited to come to be everything he is to us. And Pam began Sabbath this way. 
Blessed are you, Lord our God, eternal one, who enables us to welcome Sabbath by the kindling of these lights. May it be your will, Lord God, that the temple will be rebuilt soon in our time and grant our involvement in your truth and ways. And we will look for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May it be your will, Lord my God, to be gracious to me and my husband and children and grandchildren and to all my family, crowning our home with the feeling of your divine presence dwelling among us. Make me worthy to raise learned children and grandchildren who will dazzle the world with your gospel and truth and goodness and ensure the glow of, your, of our lives will never be dimmed. Show us the glow of your face and warm us in your love. Amen. And that's when we thought we were going to be laughing, but we didn't. I mean, it, it something happened. It really did. I mean, we sensed God uh, uh, revealing himself to us. And, and we started looking at each other. And as Pam's doing that, man, I was, I was moved and I was touched. The next thing you're supposed to do typically in a more orthodox time is the husband then praises his wife in front of everybody. It needs to be very specific. It, it needs to be genuine. And, and I want to have you think about what it means when you look at someone in front of others and you honor them and talk to them in a very real, loving, kind way uh, about why you care about them. In Proverbs 31, the woman is praised for so many specific things. And, and this is a very biblical thing that we should do. And so I, I know I looked at Pam and I began to bless her and to praise her for who she is in my life. And... Um, so I'm going to do that now. And Pam, I do. I love you. You are so godly and so caring. And while I think you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen on the outside, and you always have been, and over the years, your beauty has grown and grown to me, I want to tell you, I love your heart. I love the way you love others. Watching you hold children in your arms and care for them is just incredible to me and beautiful. Watching you reach out to people who have such needs. The fact that there are times where your head is pounding with migraine headaches and every single Sunday, if you, even if you have one, you come here. And I watch you walk out and greet people and smile at people and love people and hug people and nobody knows you're hurting because you don't want them to because you care about them. I would never be the man I am today without you. You have made me better. You've made me stronger. And whenever you're not around, I don't enjoy life as much. You make life worth living. And I love you. You're a blessing from God to me. I really do. And every time it happens, I mean, I, wow, I love you. But you know that, could you imagine having your kids watch that 52 weeks a year? What would that do to families? What would it do to marriages if we did that and really meant it and reminded ourselves of that? It's so easy in this world to get straight. Do you understand why maybe the, the lowest rate of divorce of any group of Orthodox Jews, the lowest rate of any group of children leaving a, a, a religion is that group? Because maybe it's because they've learned a secret of inviting God and saying we care for others. And, and, and this is a very biblical thing to do. By the way, um, in Genesis chapter 3, the very first prophecy ever given was given by God and it was about the woman. What had happened is Adam and Eve had sinned. 
They had tasted of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they had fallen from their relationship with God. Whenever we sin, it creates a barrier between and him. Just like whenever you do something hurtful to somebody, you can feel a distance between them. And God came into the garden calling to Adam to come back. Where are you? But sin had driven him away emotionally. And then he said, what have you done? And he said, I ate of the tree. The woman that you gave me gave of the fruit and I ate. And then God looked at her and said, what have you done? And she said, it was the serpent. And now they're just blaming everybody, but not taking responsibility, which by the way, sin most often does. And then God begins to call out the consequence, but he also calls out a promise of return. And in the promise of return, he's speaking to the devil, to the serpent. And he says in verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head and you shall bruise him on the heel. Now, a woman doesn't have a seed. What God had pronounced in that moment was that through a woman, one day a virgin birth would occur that would bring the Messiah who would bring us back into our relationship with God. He would deal a mortal blow to the head of the devil. He would be hurt in the process, but he would rise up. But it was through woman this would come. When Adam heard this, he did something amazing. Rather than turning and blaming Eve, he turned and said, no longer am I going to call you woman, which means out of man. But from this point on, you're Eve. You are the mother of all living. You're the one who restores life. And in you, I'm going to see that. He gave her a greater name of honor. And on Sabbath, a man should turn and give a greater honor to his wife. He should say to her why she's special, why he loves her. He should bless her in that moment. And, and, and notice how Sabbath is very relational. It's about loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And it's about loving other people the way you're supposed to. Now, if you have children in your home, the next thing you would do at that time is the man, after blessing his wife, would turn and bless his children. And he would begin to talk to them very specifically about why they're blessings. And, and, and very often what may happen in this moment is you may choose someone from Scripture and, and apply it to them. In other words, if I had a daughter, I may look at her and say, may you be like Esther, who when her time came, she rose up to her occasion and the destiny she was called to. She grabbed hold of such a time as this, and she stood for God, and she stood for others, even at the risk of her own life. May you be honored like Esther, who called for light to come in a time of darkness, and actually began to cling to God rather than run from Him. And God's blessing was on her, so she was not only beautiful without, but beautiful within. May you be like her. You may look and say, may you be like Mary, who when God called out to her, she said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. And she is the most blessed in honor of women because she chose to live with the promise of God no matter what occurred in her life. And, and, and you may take a son and, and call out to him. By the way, yesterday we dedicated my grandson Liam to the Lord. We gathered together with family and friends and I wanted to pronounce a blessing over him. And I had been praying about what the blessing should be. And uh, uh, there was one name that came to mind above all others. And by the way, blessings are big in Scripture. So I held my grandson in my arms and I said, may you be like Caleb. May you be one who rises up when others fall back. And may in that moment when the crowd wants to go the wrong direction, that you are always one who's never swayed by the crowd, but you stand against the crowd and you do it boldly and you do it strongly calling on the name of the Lord your God. May you always be a young man of courage and ready to take the promise of God to the fullest that it's meant to be. And may you, based on that, experience the great blessings of God in your life.
May you be one, even if God tarries, that arises to 80 years of age with vigor and passion and never falling back. And that's what I prayed over my grandson. And on a Sabbath, I might do something like that again. And in that moment, you bless them and you just begin to call out to them. Now, after blessing your children, after blessing your wife, the next thing you would do is you would move to the, a blessing of the, the wine and the bread. It's called the Kaddush. And in that moment, what would happen is uh, you would take what had been covered up and expose it. And this is chala bread. And there's lots of different ideas behind the meaning of this. But one is it's the intertwining of relationships in us and God. And it's to be the bread of life. I think it's interesting that Orthodox Jews call this the bread of life. And we know Jesus is the bread of life. And we know that the, the wine, the fruit of the vine, is a blessing from God. And the idea in this moment is to pray over that. By the way, in Orthodox settings, there's lots of wine in Sabbath. But there's a reason for it. It's from Psalm 104, verse 14 and 15, where it says, God causes the grass to grow for cattle and vegetation for the labor of man, so that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine which makes man's heart glad so that he may make his face glisten with oil and food which sustain, sustains man's heart. Now, I don't know if you catch that. He said, I want you to have food that doesn't just feed your stomach, that is so glorious and, and so wonderful to you and so incredible to you. It actually causes you to come alive in the inside. This is the point of celebration. And the wine makes you glisten. And God is saying, I gave this to you as gifts. And we're going to see in a minute that in heaven there's a, an amazing celebration based on something like that. But what would happen in that moment is you would pray a prayer. That, a prayer thanking God for the blessing of this and thanking what's happening. But for all of us who know Jesus as Messiah, as, as the one who came, and offered his body as the bread to be remembered. Offered his blood, and now we remember that in the wine. Well, the prayer may go something like this. Blessed are you, Lord our God, eternal one, who sanctifies us on this night, and we are reminded of the days of creation of the world. We're reminded of the Sabbath, that you rested, and now give us rest in Christ. That you sent Jesus to set us free by his body being nailed to the cross, and his being, blood being shed for us. By the cross and by his love, we have forgiveness of sin. We have life abundantly. Blessed are you, Lord God, eternal one, who creates the fruit of the vine. And blessed are you, our Father in heaven, eternal one, who gave us the bread of life. And we will remember and never forget what Jesus did for us. In that moment, Pam and I took communion. And we began to share and, and we began to think about the cross and about the body and about the blood. And today, right now, we're going to do that together. We're going to do something a little different than our normal Crossroads experience. What I'm going to ask you to do is to remain seated. I'm going to ask you to sing the worship song with Natalia. But while you're there, we're going to serve you the bread. And by the way, the, the wafer you have is unleavened bread. And we're going to serve you the cup. And I'm going to ask you to hold on to them so we can take them together. Because Pam and I looked into each other's eyes and took together. And I just want us to do that as a church family. So think about the Lord. Get ready for this moment with him. By the way, remember Sabbath is a time of remembering. And what did Jesus say? Do this in remembrance of me. And Lord, right now, that's what we want to do. As a family, as people who love you, we remember, we'll never forget you are the blessing in our life. You are the bread of life, and you are the light of our lives. And we want to remember you now.
Jesus, we do in your name. Amen. It was in the gospel of Luke chapter 22 where Jesus said in verse 14, when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He earnestly desired with everything within him to share in that moment with those men he loved. By the way, in a moment like this, Jesus earnestly desires to share it with you. Communion was born out of the Passover meal that had lots of symbolism in it. Uh, They would have, uh, for instance, part of the meal, they would have taken a bitter herb and dipped it in salt water. And Jesus would have said something like, do this remembering the tears of our forefathers in the land of Egypt who were told to make brick without straw and suffered as slaves and were treated harshly. Do this and remember all the tears of our people who were shed over the centuries, the pain, the agony. And yet, we know in the end, God will wipe away every tear. And they would dip that bitter herb in, remembering the bitterness in salt water, remembering the tears and eat. God wanted us to do something to bring it to light in a better way. He would have then, at a certain point in the meal, picked up a piece of bread. And typically you would say, this is the bread of affliction. By which we remember the, the afflictions of our forefathers in the land of Egypt. Eat and remember. But Jesus did something different in that moment. He picked it up and he said, this is my body given for you. And he broke it, symbolizing his body would be broken. Why? Because our afflictions, our hurts, our pains would be taken upon it very shortly. It would be such a great stress, our sin and our hurts and our pains, the worst things you've ever felt all at once put upon him, his heart would literally tear. But he said, I want to do that. I want to take that from you. If you haven't caught it, I I hope you have, but if you haven't caught it, Jesus wants your hurt. He wants your pain. He wants to take those things away. He died on the cross so that you might be set free from that. And then he said, but as often as you eat of this bread, remember my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread now, and let's do it as a church family, remembering him. Remember the body that took your pain, your hurts, your sins, because he gave it out of love. Do this in remembrance of him. Let's take. And Lord, as we eat of this bread, we remember that a very real body was taken to the cross that day. The pain was excruciating. But the weight of our sins, the pain of the stress, the horror of that upon you called Put you in a position where you called out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we know the pain and the agony that you went under for us. So Father, today, we do not want to hold back the things in our life. We want to give them to Jesus as he wants us to. And I pray today, everyone here, all of us, including me, we would let go. We would let you take this from us. And may we know, Lord, you do this out of love. And you do it so we'll be closer to you. Then it was a while later in the meal. They would have eaten lamb. They would have eaten some other things, even done a couple things together and saying that there was a cup after the meal sitting there that very often, most often, would never ever be drank. It was called the cup of Elijah. And the tradition was that when Elijah came, somehow miraculously all around the world, he would take a sip of everyone's cup. But Jesus picked up the cup after the meal and held it and said something that would have shocked them. This is my blood 
poured out for you for the cleansing of your sins. This is a new covenant, a new agreement, a new way of relating together so that you might be totally cleansed completely. Now, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you've been. God loves you no matter what. But he's asked when we take this cup in remembrance of him that we actually truly know, we believe with all our heart that we're totally cleansed and forgiven. I don't know what you might be carrying in here now, but if you really love God and you know he loves you as you touch this to your mouth, know that at the cross he erased any, anything like that from you. In his eyes you're pure, in his eyes you're perfect because he loves you. So we do this in remembrance of real blood that was shed. So let's together as a church family partake, remembering the blood of Christ. Let's take. Father, we know that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross and to shed his blood. That blood was so precious and it today is so precious to us and we would never forget the love and the sacrifice that all came together in that moment. And Lord, I pray right now that we would not then hold on to anything. We would know nothing we could do is more powerful than your blood. And I pray that every man, every woman, every guy and girl in this room would know, God, that you want them cleansed, that you've done it, and we trust you with that. And when we stand before you one day face to face, you're just gonna call us into your presence with confidence. And we should come that way knowing that you don't want us just to come to you as our God. You want us to come to you as our Abba Father. And we want to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the next thing we did after we took communion together, and by the way, that was pretty emotional too, is uh, we decided to light our candles in remembrance of the blessings that God poured in our lives. Very clearly, the greatest blessings of all are people that God has put into us. And so we went out and bought candles to represent them. And what we would do is light a candle. And the whole time, we decided not to shut our eyes in prayer. We would just start praying, very often looking at each other, Pam and I. And the first candle we lit was for my mom. And uh, I have been blessed with the most amazing mother ever. I'm not kidding. And, and we know that. She is a woman of strength. She is a woman who loves God. She's a woman who cares deeply. And we began to think about all the times in our life she came alongside of us and she, she would rush to, to any need we had. We never had to question whether my mom would ever show up. She would always show up. We also know that my mom is a woman of unconditional love. She really is. There's, she's shown me, she's shown my sister, she's shown our family. There never ever is anything we could do, she wouldn't still love us. I don't know if you realize how good it is, how, how good it feels to have someone like that in your life. And I want to live a life that honors my mom. And we just sat there and prayed and remembered moments and times that she did things that were fun and she was there when times were hard and, and just the feeling of knowing she'd always be there for us. And we sat and prayed for her. And just praise God for her. After we were done praying for my mom, then the next set of candles is for my son, Rich, and his wife, Mel, and my twin granddaughters, Myra and Caroline. And this is when it happened. We weren't ready for it. I've told you, um, my oldest son, Rich, our hearts were broken one Christmas when he asked to sit and talk with us and he said, I don't believe in God anymore. That is the most painful day in my life 
it kind of put us in a nightmare that I thought we'd never wake up from. And I love him. I see him as a man of excellence. I love the way he loves our granddaughters, and I love them to death and his wife. And there's so many incredible things about Rich, but on Sabbath, you're not supposed to remember any of the sadness. And so I opened up, and just all of a sudden, the uh, memory started coming of the day that he was born, and times he would scream to me, and he would beg to be with me. One time I was on a trip, and a phone call came, and he was three years old talking on the phone to me. And I remember that moment, and I'm thanking God for the blessing of it. I remember the day he came and said, I want to give my life to Christ. He was so young, but he meant it. And, and he prayed that prayer, and the day he was baptized... And we just sat there praising God for all those things that he gave in our life. I remember a time the door flew open. He came running in. He was in ninth grade. And he had led someone to Jesus. Or the time he asked, he said, Dad, can we use our living room for a discipleship group I want to be a part of? And they just kept flooding in when he became the president of the Christian club at Glendora. And, and the club grew from about 125 students to almost 300 students under his leadership. And going to that gym and watching him teach God's word and people on the edge of their seats. And, and I, it's, I want to say, I don't know how to tell, describe it. The nightmare went away. The pain we had just dissolved. I... God said to Pam and I, just love him and feel free to love him. Don't think about any of the other. And, and it, we looked at each other and we're crying and we're praying and God's touching us. And I just thought, oh Lord God, I can't believe this. The Bible says when you do a Sabbath, you're delighting in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And I want to tell you, God gave me the desire in my heart that I didn't even know how deep it was. That I don't have to, to feel the pain anymore. I don't have to feel the, dis, the, the, the disconnect anymore. I don't have to. And I, I just am free to love my son like I never have before. And, and it just released it. And, and I sat there thinking, I can't believe I feel so free. And I really believe God told us he'll be back. I really do. I, I, I sat there thinking, I'm going to now not worry about tomorrow, but I'm going to celebrate the fact that one day it's going to happen. And I want to tell you as our Crossroads family, I'm believing God that one day I'm going to walk out here and my son Rich is going to walk up here and he's going to share with you that he's back. I think that's going to happen. And um, we didn't go into this expecting it, but I got to tell you, we ended Sabbath free. And, and I called him on the phone, which, by the way, we talk a lot, and, and it was different. And maybe it was all me, but I don't think so. I think so, even on his end, the way he even said hello, something was different. And uh, I thought, God, thank you. Because I was with a father, my father, who loves my son even more than I do. And he was sharing that with us. He was sharing in that love. Then we uh, lit candles for the amazing joys in our life of my son, Tim who is walking with the Lord in an amazing way. I mean, I watched him minister students here in, in this church. I watch him with the team of people that have come alongside him. I, I watch the way he has a passion for ministry and life, and I thank you, God for the godly man he is. We spent a long time praying about that. And then we praise God for our daughter-in-law, Jill. When our sons were born, we literally prayed every single day for the girls they would marry. And I'll never forget when Jill came into our living room and we're talking and she left and I said, Pam, I think that might be the answer to one of our prayers. I mean, and we just started praying it would be because we loved her so much. And then there came a time they sat in the living room and we said, we think you guys ought to get married. And they were beaming and we said, we'd support you in it. And 
I'll never forget her walking down the aisle and I looked at her and thought, that's the girl we prayed for. She's a woman who loves my son. She loves ministry. She loves God. She loves people. And we thought, God, thank you for her. And we went on and on. And then we hit, I think, the longest of the prayer time, our grandson Liam. I got to tell you, I just love that boy. And we started praying about him and thanking God for him. And by the way, I love Caroline and Myra and all, all. But there's something about Liam, by the way, in that moment that was different. Because he's my firstborn grandson. And he's going to carry on the name Boer. And uh, that probably doesn't seem like a big deal to you. I got to tell you, it's everything to me. And uh, we just started thanking God for him. And then we got candles for people that we love so much in our life. Ricky and Talia. Talia's my assistant. Ricky's her husband. And Noah and Maya, who've given me the wonderful title of Guck. And uh, here's what happened. Um, we've known Ricky and Talia before they, or since they were young. And we watched them fall in love and get married. But when I was coming to Crossroads, I knew I was facing a tough time. It would end up being the hardest year in my life. I thought it was going to be the hardest five years of my life. And I knew a lot of you didn't know what we were facing, but I knew this. It was going to be incredibly painful. And I didn't know who I could trust in that moment. I just needed some people around me I could. And so Pam said, I think you ought to hire Talia as your assistant. And so I asked them to come out. And I'm walking to campus explaining to them all of the problems we're facing and just telling them how hard, Talia, if you come, it's going to be difficult. And Ricky, it's, it's going to be stressful. But Ricky, he walked around only seeing the possibilities. He was the first person I got around who began to point out to me, you know, this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And he said, I think it's going to happen fast. And having two people come alongside us like that in their life and their children too just blessed us. If you didn't catch what happens in a Sabbath, it's this, it's people. You're loving God and you're loving others. And so what happens in that moment is you're fulfilling the two greatest things Jesus asked us to do, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to really experience him. And then to love other people the way Jesus loves them and experience that. And so what we were doing is doing something that God wants us to do. And, and by the way, for us, the time is flying. It, 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 we, it, we're trying not to look at a clock, but we're just enjoying every moment of it. And, and then, then from this, it became time to celebrate with food. By the way, I know some of you won't agree on this one, but we decided to have chicken enchiladas from Costco. And, uh, and I love that. And we had chips and guacamole dip because I'm on a diet, but no diet on the Sabbath. And uh, we got it out and we prayed over our food and we began to eat and we're looking at each other and thanking God and talking about what it means in this moment. And it reminded me of a passage of scripture. Isaiah chapter 25 talks about when the rapture occurs, the next thing that happens, are you ready for this, is the Lord gives us a feast. And it says, the Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all the peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine and choice pieces of meat and refined aged wine. And on the mountain he will swallow up the covering, which is over all the people, even the veil that is stretched over all the nations. He will swallow up death for a time. And the Lord God will wipe away from all faces every single tear that's ever been shed. And he will remove the reproach of his people from the earth, for the Lord God has spoken. When we go to heaven, that's what we're going to experience. And I'll tell you what, we got a taste of heaven. Remember that when we lit this candle and God began to take away our tears. 
I mean, he really began to take away the pain. And, and God says, on that day, I'll swallow up that veil, the veil of hurt, the veil of weariness, the veil of despair, the veil of fear. I'm going to take all that away from you, and you're going to stand and be free like you never were before. And, and, I, and I read that to Pam as we were eating, and I said, this is, this is what God wants. This is a taste of heaven on earth. And we just began to share in that. After the meal, we read more scripture together and prayed a little more. And, and then what happened is we decided to have a, a game time. If you have kids, make sure that they get to have a lot of fun and you make sure they enjoy it in the name of God. That's how it's supposed to be. They should love all this experience. And so what happened is we, we got out a, a, a Scrabble board game and, and I'll just be really honest, Pam trounced me. It was horrible, humiliating, but, uh, uh, but it was fun. And we talked as we played and shared. And then came uh, what was a beautiful point in the Sabbath. As a matter of fact, I've talked about it and we've even joked about it a little bit. But what happened is we grabbed my Bible and we lit a fire and we got on the couch and uh, we cuddled up and started reading Song of Solomon together. It, uh, it, Rabbi Herschel says this, Song of Songs is not only in the Bible, but it is read by religious Jews every Friday night as they prepare themselves for spiritual ecstasy of the Sabbath, as well as the sensual delights, delighting of the physical union with their spouses as commanded by Jewish law. Now, in other words, what he's saying is it's a sin on the Sabbath if a husband and wife are not intimate sexually. And I got to tell you that while I don't agree with everything the rabbis say, I think they're right on this one. <laughs> Amen, right men? And... Uh, I, uh, I obviously am not going to get very descriptive at this point. But I do want to share something with you about it. And Pam wanted to make sure she was not up here when I said this. We're cuddled together. We, think about the intimacy. I've just blessed her and talked to her. We've prayed over our kids. We've eaten an amazing meal. We've shared a fun time. We cuddle up together in a reading Song of Solomon. And, and as we're reading it, um, we just cuddled and and. Without being more graphic than that, it, we didn't finish the book. <laughs> we practiced what it preached. But, um, yeah. And if you want to know more, you can write and ask me in my email, Tony at CrossroadsChurch.com. <laughs> you know, in, in Song of Solomon chapter 4, Solomon has a bride who's very nervous, and he begins to calm her fears, and then he begins to go through the experience with her. And it's, when you read it, it's beautiful, the poetry of it, but how he, he makes love to his wife. And then in chapter 5, he actually says, we have reached that point of, of high-level intimacy consummation. And he describes that. And then the next phrase is God speaking. God says in Song of Solomon 5.2, he says, eat friends, drink deeply, O lovers. God pronounces a blessing over that experience. And, and we experience that in our Sabbath together. By the way, the whole idea that I want you to grab is, God really made that even extra special. It was spiritual. It was incredible. It was intimate. It was deep. And it was not rushed. And you might say, okay, wait, why does this have to do with Sabbath? Because God wants husbands and wives to love each other. God wants mothers and fathers to love their kids and their kids to love them. He wants your friendships to be great, your family to be great. And nothing's more beautiful to God on a Sabbath with Him than loving the people in your life in the ways that you're supposed to. And God's great desires that you and I would understand that. 
we then cuddled and prayed and, and just prayed and prayed. And then we fell asleep. Now, not though it's with kids can't do it and you need to adjust for it, but we decided to sleep in. And the next morning we woke up refreshed and had an amazing breakfast again, great food. And then we read more scripture. We decided to read our favorite scriptures to each other, which was so fun. And then we uh, uh, read some more just books that we wanted to read. And then we celebrated an amazing lunch. And then we decided to kind of sit and talk about what we were already getting from Sabbath. And and it, it, I got to tell you, again, the time just kept flying by. And, and when it was over, we were so rested, so invigorated, so rejoicing, so excited. Man, it was literally this amazing, wow, it was like the biggest high spiritually I've ever had in my life. And I think it really was. But it reminded me now why God calls for this. I can't believe all these years I didn't share it with him. Being with God is incredible. Experiencing God is amazing. And, and Jesus says when you do it in the right way, it erases weariness and brings rest. And it's a time of revealing. Remember, God doesn't want to just be your God. Jesus just doesn't want to be your Savior. God wants to bring you into a relationship with him where he's your daddy. Your Abba Father, your Daddy Father. And Jesus keeps saying things like your Father, your Father, your Father. And, and who you are is you're someone God craves to have a relationship with. Whenever I know I'm going to be around my kids or grandkids, there's nothing more exciting than that. And it's a taste of how God feels about you and about me. So Jesus in Matthew 11 verse 27 says, All things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. Jesus said, you know what? The only people who are going to know the Heavenly Father are the ones to whom I will to reveal Him. And by the way, is it God's will to reveal him, the Father to you? Let me tell you the answer. It's Jesus' heart, yes. The next line is this, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest to the depth of your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, anybody I want to, I can reveal the Father to. And guess who he's going to reveal it to? All who come to him. So he says, come to me. If you're weary, if you're worn out, if you're stressed out, come to Jesus. And he will take that burden from you. There's nothing right now that's so difficult in your life that God, who's the God of the impossible, can't handle. And who he doesn't love you enough to help you through it. It may be a, a stress from relationships and conflict and God says, come to me and I'm going to show you what's going to happen. Come to me and let me wipe away the tears. Come to me and let me take away the pain. Come to me and let me call you to be everything you were meant to be and to live life that way. That's what God is saying to you and to me. Why? Because he couldn't love you more than he does. Why did he create Sabbath? Now I know. So we could just literally disengage from a world that's stressful and hurtful and spend time with the eternal one who loves us and gives the light of our life and he's the bread of life to us and he's the glistening within our hearts and he causes us to dazzle. That's who God is. And if you're already a follower and a believer in Christ, I'm going to encourage you to do this. Try taking God up on this amazing, amazing experience. But I want to tell you today, if you're not in a connected relationship with God, an intimate one with him, I want to invite you today to enter that. How do you do it? Well, you pray. 
Jesus said, come to me. And what you do is you come to him and say, I want this, Lord. The Bible says you call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And if you've never done that before, we're going to pray right now. In the midst of this prayer time, I'm going to stop and invite anybody who wants to to whisper a prayer right where you're sitting where you would pray you and I together and you would say, yes, 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 I want this. I want the forgiveness. I want the freedom. I want the life with you. You're going to say yes to him. Today, you might be someone who's wandered away. God wants you back. He wants you to recommit. And I want to tell you something. As badly as I'm waiting for that day, excitedly as I'm waiting for that day that Rich recommits, God is just as excited about you today if you need to come back to him. You need to let go. You need to take away the barrier between you. You need to say yes to him. And, and if you at one time were his, but you're not close now, come home. He wants you so badly. God's not going to say go. He's going to say come, come, come. Let's pray. Father, I know you love us. I know you love spending time with us. And I know you love pouring your love out on us and having us experience things with you and for you. And when we do, oh Lord God, there's nothing better than that. We're experiencing who we were meant to be. I pray right now we as a church family would learn the meaning of what Sabbath is and what it means that you're Lord of the Sabbath. I praise you, God, for the way you call us into this in all experiences. But I pray right now that you would also bind us together as a church family and help us to live life loving in your name and, and, and caring in your name and, and with the joys of what it means even in the midst of some trials. And Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit will come in this room. I pray right now that you would begin to touch every single one of us here that we can't miss it. And I pray for anybody right now who needs to say yes to you and needs to come back to you. I uh, pray for the person who was driving in their car just this week and something inside said it's time. And they know it's time to come home. For some reason they're afraid, but it's time. And right now they need to let that go. I pray, Lord, for the person sitting here that's always wondered if this is true. And something's stirring inside, and they know it's true. And they need to let go. I pray, Lord, for every person who needs to say yes to you for the first time. Or they need to come back. God, I pray right now even they can sense your love. Oh, your love for them. They can sense inside what this is going to mean. Let's pray this prayer together. Say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurt, to make me alive, to make me new, to make me yours. And I say, yes, I want this. And I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, praise God, praise the Lord.